trains are a big part of American culture because they're really fascinating in so many ways. If you stand next to one, you realize they are just so big. And they have so much power to be able to pull all that weight. And wow, are they loud. Not just the sound of the engine and, you know, the steel wheels on the track, but that horn. You can hear it even if you're nowhere near the railroad tracks. Kids and adults of all ages are fascinated by trains. And they are fun to watch as they kind of rumble by. Maybe you get a wave from the engineer. It's great entertainment, as long as everything works like it's supposed to work. Deneen was with her two little girls one day at a railroad crossing, watching the train go by just a few feet from the front of their car. Then she realized that something was very wrong, and that train was about to crash. Real people in unreal situations. There is a man standing in front of me in my bedroom. My friend has been shot. I'm in the literally inside the river and I'm inside my car. He had told me multiple times that he was going to set himself on fire. If you say my name or try to look at me, I'm going to kill you. And he was just sobbing. He said, Mom, Mom, tell me you're going to be okay. And I jumped on the hood of the car and I held on. And I looked into the garage and he was hanging from the rafters. I had somebody standing on my neck. He's better to me dead. I want him dead. I'm Scott Johnson, and this is What Was That Like? This happened in this, in this little town, Baltimore, Ohio. And I actually grew up in Ohio, and I had never even heard of this place. Where is that? Baltimore is a, a tiny little town about 30 minutes east of Columbus, Ohio, um, it's really small. It's rural. It has about three stoplights. Um, it was a tiny town built on the Ohio Canal System. And uh, at one time, they kind of used uh, the canal system and the train to bring in and out things from the paper mill that used to be there. Is this a popular route for trains? I mean, do you see a lot of trains coming through? Yes, there's a lot of trains that come through. Um it's it's and it's very interesting because the town actually has numerous train crossings kind of going through it to get to the town. So there's quite a few trains that come through. And do you remember where you were headed that day? We started off cuz it was Mother's Day and uh we were visiting my in-laws that lived in Baltimore cuz my husband's family is there and he grew up there. So we had done some visiting and it was Mother's Day, went to church with my in-laws, went out for brunch afterwards, and then went back and visited. And it was, it was kind of a sad Mother's Day, not only because my husband couldn't be with us, but because my sister-in-law's mother had passed away. And this was her first Mother's Day without her mother. So it was, it was, it was kind of a quiet, a little bit, a little bit sad. And then um, my husband not being able to be with us, uh, he worked uh, IT back, you know, 20 years ago and they would call him at like two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning to, to run a job. And uh, he was, <laughs> he was really nice. And what he did is a coworker was supposed to go in and run that, that job that day. But since she it could so that she could be with her family he went in instead so uh, it was just me and the girls went to church went to lunch 
visited a little while and I decided to leave and go back home um, and wait for my husband to get home. But we had a little time to kill. So I took the girls over to a park. And how old were the girls at this time? Um, Alyssa was four and uh, Kiki is two. So just real little kids. then. They were very tiny. So we went to the park and they played on the park and slides and swings and all the fun things. Um, they had a, a monkey bars that uh, they really used to like that looked like a spider. So we, we wanted to leave and going to head home. So we left my, you know, we in-laws, we went to the park, trying to get them in the car. You know, they're foreign too. They don't, they don't want to listen to you. So I bribed them like, come on, let's go. And we'll go home and we'll watch a video. And it, it was a beautiful day that Mother's Day. It was, the sun was shining and it was really great. So I got them and put them in the car seats and got them all buckled in. And you think you're, you're good and safe with your kids. And then we actually went to come back home at that time. So we went and we were going back to the crossing to go to our house. We lived in um, at Fairfield Beach, Thornville. We're going this back way. We actually went right past my in-laws again. We, we get up to the, to the train crossing and the gates had just started coming down. And I was excited and I was like, oh, this is fun, girls. We can count the cars. And if you get the, where especially then the lines to at the at the at the crossing were pretty close so if you were up there as the trains went by you could feel the vibrations in the car because this train the train was carrying a very heavy load yes it was carrying coal which is obviously extremely heavy so and if it was a long train that's yeah i bet i guess you could feel the vibration from the ground and it was it was full i remember the 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 train cars were red and they were, you could actually see the coal up over the tops of them. So it was, it was fun. And we, we got up there and I remember telling all the girls, this is going to be fun. And we're going to, we're going to count these cars and my four-year-old. So it's a, a good counting experience for her. And the other little one, Kiki, she was sitting there just kind of watching. So we, uh, we started the counting and uh, Alyssa's counting and, and even as she starts, I'm looking at this thinking, wow, those cars are going pretty quickly. And uh, she starts counting. She's one, two. She gets up to about 12. And that's when I noticed something wasn't quite right. It, it was strange. And I, I'm looking and all of a sudden I can see some gravel coming up, like and, and just kind of coming out of the ground. And I'm like, because we were looking at the cars, not the wheels. And I looked down at the wheels and it was unbelievable to see that the train wheels were not on the track. They were off the track when I noticed that. And then all of a sudden, there's gravel coming up. There's dirt coming up. And then there's like big pieces of asphalt coming up and coming at us in the car. And it's, it was, it was shocking to see what's happening. And I realized at that point that it was necessary to get out of the way. But unfortunately, when I pulled up during the time that we had parked there, another car came behind me and was right behind me. And you were first in line. Correct. Yes. So I could see that the, that the train had, was derailing. And I couldn't go backwards. I couldn't go forwards. And you couldn't t- 
turn in either direction. So the only thing that I really could do was get on the horn and start pressing on the horn and um, screaming for the person to get behind me. And it was, and it was sad because um, as this is happening and I realized the severity of the situation, you know, I'm looking back in my rearview mirror. I'm looking back at the car behind me because I'm desperate for her, her to see me. And she was in a little blue car and I'm screaming and you catch sight of your kids and they're so little and so cute in their car seats, just staring at you. And, um, Alyssa, you know, being a little older, she, she definitely realized something was wrong, I think. And, and, uh, she was crying cause I was screaming. Kiki was just looking at me and her eyes were wide as saucers, not understanding what was happening. This is Scott jumping in here for just a minute. At this point in the story, I wanted to get the perspective of Alyssa. She's an adult now, but on that day, she was just four years old. So I asked her what she remembered. My mom's screaming, and I remember that pretty clear. And as a little kid, it's not something I had heard before. I've heard her get mad. I've heard her, you know, maybe yell down, what are you guys doing down there? You know, something like that. I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV. And her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences, or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you because every meal is just amazing. Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef level quality, and endless variety of Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com/what or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what or going to cookunity.com/what. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read, and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up, and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1 And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully, that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan, because it's that too. 
And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash what, code 25what. But uh, this was panicked, <laughs> insane sounding screaming. I mean, it was just like nothing I had heard. And I don't think it was the train that scared me as much as it was my mom. You know, I was reacting to my mom screaming. And yeah, it still sends chills down my spine when I think about it. I also remember the noise. And I it's funny, I didn't actually think about the noise until we've been discussing it more recently. But I remember the screeching, the screeching sound of metal on metal is probably what it was. I remember a tree coming down. It what looked like a big tree to me, but again, I was four, so who knows. But I remember the tree coming down as the train the train hit the tree and the tree came down. And then the other thing I remember is when my mom moved the car as we went I was sitting she was in the you know she was in the driver's seat so I was diagonally behind her on the right of the car and I looked to the right and I saw the lady's face as we reversed past her and I just remember thinking she looked shocked frozen she looked frozen to me as I was over the word whenever we tell the story I always say she looked frozen those are really the things I remember I'm fairly calm and I'm usually pretty good under pressure. So I'm pretty sure to hear me screaming like that was pretty traumatic for them. And and you're so helpless. You you can't do anything. There's nothing to do. So, you know, all you can do is 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 pray and and hope to get out of the situation. But then it was it was also kind of strange because as I'm sitting there and on the horn and screaming and trying to hoping that the person behind me would move, there's all these big pieces of this concrete stuff and kind of coming around the car. And the front of the car got like um it got pieces, little pieces of gravel and stuff on it. But the big chunks, we were so lucky they went around because nothing hit the windshield because if something would have came through and, and hit the windshield and hit me, then I would have went off the brakes and would have went forward. So um, that's where we were. And then, plus our heart, the the lady behind me finally realized what was happening. So she started to back up. And then... I took the opportunity and I was backing up. But as I was backing up, I could see that these train cars, they were they were off the tracks and they were kind of all over each other because they derailed and they were like an accordion. But then some of them even were was falling. So there was a, a car in front of us that was falling towards us as we were backing up and dumping all that coal where we just were. It was split seconds, split seconds that we got out of that alive. So it was just two cars there, right? So there right. wasn't anybody behind the other lady. And you were, so you were able to back up and right where you were sitting is where that train car fell. And all the coal where right. we both were. When she realized she 
moved back quickly and then I went back and we ended up being parallel because there was a bend in the road and you can only go so far back. Just the enormity and the severity of the situation was shocking. I started to shake just disbelief of what was happening. And I believe that the lady probably behind me was probably in a similar state. Once we realized that we were okay, you know, people were coming out and, and things like that. And, and there was a house that had got some damage in the front of that. We both left. So we left, we, we left. And I went back because as I had mentioned, my mother-in-law just lived a, not even a quarter mile down the street. She, she lived out there. So couldn't go forward and cross to get home, obviously, but I went back and I went to her house, which I knew I needed to do because I was shook up. They were outside and my, my mother-in-law, father-in-law, brother-in-law and sister-in-law were all outside because they were so close. They heard the crash and the commotion. And also it also took out some power. So they were out of power, but everybody was coming out from the neighborhood to see what had happened. I pull in the driveway and they are shocked to see me because when I left, they had no idea I went to the park. They thought I was home. They had, they were so confused of why I was even there. And then um, once I got in the driveway and parked the car, then I, I lost it. I, I, I cried and I lost it. And I'm sure the girls saw that. Then my brother-in-law, he, he uh, helped get the the girls out of the car, out of their seat belts and seats, car seats. And uh, we all went in the house and talked about what happened. So we talked about it. And my brother-in-law, who was of sound mind, and he said, you know, you really need to go back and go back there and talk to the officers and the firefighters who are going to be on the scene. And I, I wanted any, no part of that at all. I was, I, <laughs> I was done. And you know, I didn't want to go and I obviously didn't want to take my girls back there. So my sister-in-law and mother-in-law stayed at the house with the babies and um, I went back to, to the scene. And by that time, the first responders and emergency people were there. So I, I was like, well, there's nothing I can do, Steve. Steve is my brother-in-law's name because they were, my mother-in-law was calling my husband, you know, to come over and to tell him what happened. And uh, Steve's like, no, we need to talk to the police and tell them. So I went up and I'm trying to talk to the emergency personnel and I'm explaining to them, hey, I was here. And they said, we can't talk. There are some people that are buried under this coal. And I said, "Uh, no, there isn't. And they go, no, we have witnesses. And they were just panicked because the witnesses had said that they knew that there were cars there. So I finally made myself heard enough. And boy, when I got his attention, he really gave me his full attention. He's like, I need to know everything that's going on. So he interrogated me, rightly so. And I explained to him and he was just, he goes, how did, did you get out of that? He says, there was witnesses. How did you even manage to get out of that? And the grace of God, I guess, because I have no idea. We, we were just lucky. So um, he, was, he wanted to be sure. He wanted to know how many cars were there. Was there anybody on the other side, which there wasn't? And uh, he just kept saying, I, I can't believe that you got out of that situation. But, you know, your babies are in the back. You're, you're going to do what you can do. 
you know, to get out of that situation. And I'm just lucky that the lady behind me, she moved. And I had to this day, I have no idea who that was. And I would just love to have met her and give her a hug and thank her because it literally was split seconds. And um, that story could have had a very different ending. Now, I understand. I read some reports that there was, uh, the train, as it derailed, knocked a house off of its foundation. Mm-hmm. Was that, do you, were there, was anyone injured in this whole thing? No, no one was injured. There was, I believe, three people in the house. The house lost like the front of the porch and got knocked off its foundation, but it was fine. The biggest concern initially was that there was gas leak. So that was a concern of an explosion. And again, very lucky. There was no explosion. No one was hurt. Both of us with the cars got out of the way because um, it's pretty incredible when I went back to that scene to just see the carnage of what what happened. It's just incredible. Yeah, I can imagine looking at that thinking, man, how do you, where do you even start to clean this up? I mean, there were 30 cars, right, mm-hmm. that, that derailed, all of them filled with 100 tons of coal each, and it's just a big pile of metal. It, it just was a mess. It, and that's why the first responders were so concerned because they thought that there was people underneath there. I don't even want to think about what it would have been like if we wouldn't have gotten out of that. I doubt we would have survived it with that kind of weight. And, you know, you think about it, I, two, little, two little girls back in their car seats, that would have been just horrifying. My husband, I can't imagine that conversation that my husband would have had to heard. And of all days, Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know what? We we were so blessed to get out of that as like the best Mother's Day present we ever could have had. Do you and your daughters talk about this now on uh, on each Mother's Day, just kind of remembering what happened that day? Well, it's it's funny. We talk about it a lot when we come up to any sort of train crossings. Because we don't like them and we sure don't, if I'm the first person at train crossing and there's a train coming, I leave a lot of space in front of us. And I'm pretty sure now that my daughters drive that they do the same. We talk about a little bit on Mother's Day, but doing this interview, we've really talked a lot about it. So I mentioned uh, to my daughter today that, you know, sometimes these things happen and they're life altering when they happen. And then time goes by and you get, you know, your every day and you forget exactly how lucky and blessed you were because literally split seconds would have had a very different ending. Since that day, there have been several train derailments right there in, in that area of Ohio. What, what do you attribute that to? Well, with this particular accident, um, it's our understanding with Conrail that they had done some work and replacement. And when they did the work, it caused that derailment. Later on, I, I think, uh, I don't know if it was months, I can't remember exactly, but there was also a derailment in Columbus. And it seemed like there was a flurry of them. Um, and I not as much anymore. But that particular crossing has always had a lot of problems. 
but that was because for a long time there wasn't crossing um, rails that came down. So, so for a period of time, people just had to realize that there may be a train coming and you had to check before you cross the tracks. Correct. Yes. That seems so primitive now, you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, anytime you see a railroad crossing, there's a, there are the gates that come down and the lights flashing and all that. I guess that's not, that hasn't always been that way. No. And this is a, this is a pretty rural, pretty rural area to start with. And then this was not one of the main, main crossings. It's, there was, a, you know, there was some, some state routes that did have the crossing guards, but this was, you know, kind of a back road, sort of a, a crossing. So it was a shortcut. <laughs> when everything was over and done and, you know, we got the girls and, and, um, my husband came to meet us and, and talk about everything. And we visited and spent a little more time with our in-laws. And then we, we had to head home. So I have the car seats in my car. So I buckled the girls back up, put them in the car seats. And uh, we head home. Of course, we, we couldn't go through that crossing. And then there was another crossing on the other side of town that we couldn't use. So we had to go around. But I can tell you that uh, crossing the tracks to go home, that was not a very fun experience, but uh, we went home and spent some time as a family, you know, I put the girls to bed. But the weird thing about all of that was that night, I actually dreamt about the accident. And when everything is happening, it's so fast. All I wanted to do is get out, make sure my girls were okay and, and survive. And then when I had the dream, it, it was kind of slow motion. And, and, and it kind of, I, I saw, you know, the, the, the trains collapsing on each other and, and falling over. And there was a tree that came down. And I was like, oh, I didn't even remember that tree. So it, it was, it was very, very interesting to have the dream. And I had the dream that night and never dreamt about it again. But it, it was, it was just kind of a, Kind of a strange experience, to be honest with you. In real life, was there a tree that was hit and fell down? Yes, absolutely. And you didn't remember it, but it came up in your dream. It came up in my dream. <laughs> it's so weird. That was that was strange. Just like, and I to this day, as you know, I'm telling the story again. I just thinking about again how we got out of that situation and those pieces of asphalt and concrete and rocks that were flying around the car. It literally felt like it was going around the car. It was just, it was miraculous. And, you know, when those first responders are just shocked that from whatever the witnesses had said that saw us. The witnesses must have, I w- I'm thinking they must have seen your car there. And then later on they saw, they didn't see your car there. So they assumed it was under that wreckage. Exactly. Yes. That must be exactly. So those poor first responders, they were beside themselves because thinking that there was one, possibly two cars, at least underneath all that rubble. Unbelievable. Well, I'm glad you made it. Well, I am too. You know, I I am blessed with these, um, you know, daughters and that they're adults now. You know, every once in a while you look at them and you're like, again, a few seconds had that had we had we not been counting those cars and paying attention, if I would have been looking at the radio or, you know, talking to them in the back seat, um, there were so many ifs that could have been so very different that the lady heard me beeping the horn and probably heard me screaming that she moved just in time. And I wouldn't have my uh, 
beautiful 27 and 25 year old daughters today. Yeah, that's what that's what I would think about. Think about the from the, from the day that happened till today, all of the family memories that you've created in that time period, and none of them would have been exist if that hadn't happened that way. Years and years of memories could have been completely changed in just a second or two. It's it's, it's amazing when I when I think about it, and you know, you you don't think about it every day, especially with as much time has gone by. But, you know, thinking about it now, you know, makes me really appreciate all the good times, even the bad times and everything. It would have been such a different experience. I feel, I feel pretty blessed. We'll have pictures of the crash scene. We'll have that on the website uh, in the show notes for this episode. Deneen, thanks for telling your story. Well, again, thank you for having me. And, you know, I'm just happy and blessed that the everything turned out the way that it did. That train crash was the front page story in the Columbus Dispatch newspaper, and you can see that picture of the train car pileup, as well as pictures of Deneen and her daughters, then and now, at whatwasthatlike.com slash 71. And one week from today, you'll see a new What Was That Like episode pop up on your podcast app, assuming you're subscribed to the podcast. You are subscribed, right? So you never miss an episode? Anyway, a week from now, I'll be posting the Q&A episode where a bunch of you called in or wrote in your questions, and I'll answer them in that episode. And if you're thinking, oh man, I meant to send in a question for that and I forgot to, well, don't worry, because at some point in the future, we'll do another one of these. And I'm still thinking it would be fun to do a listener Zoom chat. Would you want to do that? If you're in the Facebook group, I think I might do a poll and see what kind of interest there is for that. Hey, I know I'd like to do it. So even if it's just you and me, who cares, right? It'll still be fun. So the Q&A episode is one week from today. And you know what else happens on that same Friday, one week from today? The next Raw Audio episode will go live. That's going to be Raw Audio 11. Those bonus episodes are only available to patrons, but it's only five bucks a month to support the show and get those exclusive episodes. That's at whatwasthatlike.com support. And to close out today's show, we have a voicemail from Isabel. She had some comments after listening to episode 30, which is titled, Travis Lost His Son. If you haven't heard that one, I highly recommend it. It was a tough one to do, but very important. And you'll see why when you hear it. Take care, stay safe, and I'll see you in one week with some questions and answers. Hey, Scott. My name's Isabel. I'm calling from Ottawa, Canada. Um... I have been binging your show since for the last few days, and uh, the one episode that really got to me was um, Travis Lost His Son. I don't know how you did it. I was bawling the whole way through, um, like like ugly cry. It was absolutely amazing how calm and composed and um, your compassion, the compassion you showed during the show um I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I'm actually studying to be a counselor myself. And yeah, it is. Wow. You should be a counselor. <laughs> you just don't interrupt anyone. And you just, you ask the right questions and um, it's just absolutely beautiful. And um, I actually reached out to uh, Brandon's mom and uh, on Facebook and we chatted a bit and everything. And um, she told me that her son, Aaron is, is just has, has this surprise them every day 
and how amazing he is and everything. And I didn't know who the Facebook page was, so uh, who belong who it belonged to. So I I you know spoke to the whole family and I I explained how I thank Travis for opening up and being vulnerable. And men don't often talk about their emotions, obviously, and. Uh, they need to, they, they, they still need to, and the fact that he even spoke about how he had gone to therapy before, uh, before, even before Brendan passed away, and since, and Aaron's been doing it too, and I think it's absolutely crucial for all of this to happen, and, um, anyways, uh, I love your show. Um, a lot of them, uh, I really like. I haven't listened to the foot one yet, <laughs> but anyways, uh, thanks so much for your show. It's great. I'm alone during pandemic. Uh, every second week when I don't have my daughter and your voice is soothing and it keeps noise in the house. Good noise. Anyways, thanks so much from Canada. We love you guys. Bye.